When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the WFNY Cornercast, a podcast that takes an in-depth look at the Cleveland Guardians baseball team and farm system. Presented to you by the WaitingForNextYear.com network of podcasts. Here are Gerbs, Mitch, and Ethan. Hello and welcome to the WFNY Cornercast brought to you by the Evergreen Podcast Network and part of the Waiting for Next Year community. I am your host, Joe Gerbs Gerberry, alongside Farmer Ethan. Uh, Farmer, the Cavs may have broken our hearts tonight uh, as they lost in the playoffs and are done, but they cannot break our spirit because today was the long awaited Bybee Day. We were on uh, Panda watch, Bybee watch for uh, a couple of days as Taylor kept giving us the uh, gifts. But uh, today it finally happened. I know, Farmer, that you were giving it the utmost attention to the game. And our Discord was popping today and both private and public sides. Uh, how were you feeling after seeing uh, two of your top six? I forget where Logan Allen was on your uh, prospect rankings. But uh, I know Bybee was sixth. Uh, what was your uh, how were your feeling after Logan Allen and Tanner Bybee's uh, debuts this this week? They are back to back six and seven in my rankings. Uh, granted, I have had regrets about ranking Bybee uh, at six. He should be higher, and we witnessed it today. But I am. I am ecstatic, man. This has long been awaited. Cleveland debuted 17 rookies last year in 2022, led themselves to a division title and took themselves to the brink against the Yankees in the ALDS. Last year was all about the bats. It was all about finding the future lineup, the cornerstone pieces you could build around to insulate Jose Ramirez with a key free agent addition or what have you. This year, it's going to be about the arms. I don't think I envisioned it happening in April, I, I think I think in even all of my prospect write-ups, I had most of these guys debuting closer to the all-star break because I, you know, you obviously don't hope or expect the Aaron Savale injury. You don't hope or expect Cody Morris going down in spring training for the second year in a row, right? So to have two top ten prospects, you know, a, a big three arm in Tanner Bybee and your just outside next tier pitcher in Logan Allen to debut four days apart from each other and the rarefied company for them to be in the names that they are among for their debuts, right? These are two pitchers. Logan Allen is one of just three pitchers in Cleveland baseball history to go six innings, allowing one runner, one earned runner less and eight plus strikeouts, joining Tristan McKenzie and Luis Tiant. Anytime you join Luis Tiant in Cleveland sports history, you're doing something right. Tanner Bybee, one out shy of being the second pitcher to do that in the same week. In but four days. <laughs> in four days, but becomes just the 11th pitcher in Cleveland pitching history, a very storied franchise when it comes to pitching to record eight plus strikeouts in your major league debut. So not only did the kids come up and do all right, they were ready and they dealt and they're going to get second and third and fourth chances. The future is here and good God, is it throwing hard? Absolutely. Are they going to get second chances? I heard somebody on Twitter say they might. No, that's stupid. It's stupid. And we don't even, well, if you read it on reference. the internet, it must be true. Right. Yeah. No, they're definitely getting second shots. And like you said, the, there is absolutely little to no reason to move anybody out of the rotation when, with regards to Logan Allen and Tanner Bybee. Um, even the prospect of Aaron Savali coming back, 
Tristan McKenzie coming back soon, it seems like you just are adding those guys to what you already have. You're not subtracting Logan Allen or Bybee from those. So, And can I address a certain subsect of the fan base right now? And th- this isn't to, to call anyone out. This is just the, the general, we all use social media. It's out there. We've seen this. You, you know who we are, general social media. You know who we are. You know who you are. And you know the people that I'm talking about. The, the certain subsect of the, the fan base and the population that thinks Terry Francona makes these decisions and he hates young guys and rookies and all of that, it's flat out not true, right? Even when Shane Bieber was coming up through the farm system, there are stories dating back to before his debut when Bieber was in the backfields during spring training. He wasn't even with the 60-some-odd players invited to spring training. He was just pitching on the backfields. There are stories then about how Antonetti and the rest of the staff had to prevent Terry Francona from going to watch him pitch because they knew the second that (laughs) he saw them, he would be hounding them about, hey, when's that guy going to be on my roster? Right. It was the same thing this past spring with Tanner Bybee and Gavin Williams duking it out on the backfields this spring. They drew crowds, but the staff would not let Terry Francona go watch them. He hid his excitement in the post-game interview today probably because of some other things that happened. Carl Willis was hospitalized during the game today after some lightheadedness. I'm sure he was also thinking about that. And we are also thinking about Carl Willis, but you can't tell me that after watching the performances from Logan Allen and Tanner Bybee, that Terry Francona doesn't think he has shiny new toys. For sure. And I, and in a, in a counterpoint to of sorts, Tito has had, that the the people on Twitter and people online that have those thoughts and feelings have them because of empirical and anal- and anecdotal evidence. Being one of those people that once wrote an article called uh, "Tito's Boys" with two Z's at the end, that uh, once highlighted all of the times that uh, Terry Francona made seemingly made choices about who was going to play where and how much that they, he seemed to favor the veterans and the uh, dirt bags uh, using nicknames and not names um, of people that, you know, definitely should not have been on rosters, but um, you know, it's Tito does love his veterans, but to your point, he is. I, I think they. I think a lot of his roster movement, roster decisions have been kind of those powers have been neutered to a point. I don't know that he's making the. He's he might be making calls to, you know, turn off an Antonetti. Like, hey, get me this guy. I you know I. I have MLB.tv and I saw Gunslinger Gavin make it to AAA, you know get me this guy, but they also are not letting there. They are the ones that are in charge of those things. So, um, yeah. And to think that Terry Francona has the front office by the short hairs, you know, and is able to say, this is who I want. This is who I, you know, I, I think it's, it's putting your head in the sand a little bit to think that it's all just Terry Francona. Um, that being said, he does, you know, there there are times where you do scratch his head, and we can get into that a little bit later as to where the, the lineup is and roster construction, things like that. To that end, that is sometimes on Terry, but, um, you know, I don't think he's, I don't think he's asking for Aaron Savole to be up and hold back Logan Allen. But, uh, you know, we're, we're, Excited to see this, and and I do. It is a good. It is a good point, you know. And then we want to make sure that we are mentioning those things. That you know, hey, this isn't on him. It's not a thing that he's doing and whatnot. So, one thing that you can do that I did that I made the conscious effort this morning to put on my the lands shirt, which uh, Ethan can't see because my camera is weird, but I uh, decided to wear my breakingtea.com backslash WFNY, the land shirt. Uh, finally wore it on a podcast today. Um, but uh, yeah, so we have we have some great stuff out there. Like I said, breakingtea.com backslash WFNY. Um, 
they have the Jose Slide shirt. Uh, this one that has the land highlighted in, in white. Uh, they have a bunch of other ones. I'm sure they're going to keep uh, things going for uh, possibly Logan Allen and or Tanner Bybee that are coming out. And we'll hit that up on our Twitter whenever they send us those new designs and let you guys know. But yeah, make sure you head over to breakingtea.com backslash WFNY. That will take you to the Cleveland collection of shirts that you can find. So, all right, let's get to our news and notes. Uh, we did not have a show last week. Uh, we had some scheduling issues and uh, personal things that came up, but um, we are obviously here today. And as we mentioned, the the big news that has happened in these last two weeks is absolutely the debuts of uh, one Logan Allen and one Tanner Bybee. Also, we call him in our in our shorthand in our Discord drink. Uh, we um, we have shortened it to TOAO, uh, which stands for the one and only Logan Allen. Uh, back when there was two, uh, it was just easier for us to give a rather than. LTA or LSA or whatever it just was TOAO, the one and only Logan Allen. Uh, so that if I if I drop into that or if you ever see that on any of our pages uh, on, on the site on our in our public side Discord, you can uh, you can understand who that is then. But Logan Allen had his debut on Sunday. Uh, he went six innings, had uh, faced twenty three batters in total, uh, as we mentioned, eight Ks. One walk, gave up one home run. It was his only run allowed. Um, I did not actually check to see how many hits he gave up. I did write down for Bybee, but it did not run down for uh, Logan Allen. You are giving me number five. So five hits for Logan Allen. Um, how did you think he looked? It, it's, it's, it's one of those weird things. I'm happy he's a lefty. I forgot Connor Pilkington is a lefty. Uh, he's gone now, so it doesn't really matter. But um, it is nice to have a, a good starting pitcher who's a lefty. It doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. It's just nice. It's just a nice little thing. I don't think yeah, you can we, say we, it. Now. You can't say it means nothing in the grand scheme of things when you see how poorly Cleveland itself does against left-handed pitching. There are lineups well, just sure. like ours that struggle against left-handed pitching, and for, for sure. the last 13 years, Cleveland itself has said, no, screw it, we're going to go five righties. Now, that's not entirely true. They've had lefties, but they've had two lefties make exactly 29 starts in a season dating back to 2010. And there have been 10 other left-handed pitchers to start a game between then and Logan Allen, and the other 10 don't equal the 58 starts by Scott Casimir and David Huff. So that's a thing. Cleveland has just not used left-handed pitching. But... Logan Allen looked phenomenal against the Marlins. And you can say what you want about the Marlins offense or whatever, but they did the right thing as far as what they should have done facing a, a rookie left-handed pitcher that they've never seen before, right? They stacked the lineup with righties. He faced eight righties, and the only left-handed hitter in the Marlins lineup that day was Jazz Chisholm. So you would think creating you know, every lineup advantage that the Marlins could, they were going to give Logan a tough time. Played right into his hand. Logan's a command over stuff guy. He's got a filthy sweeper. He's got a fastball that sits 90 to 93, but he kind of uses it like a power fastball. He's got an interesting release point that has some deception. He's got great extension that creates an extra mile an hour or two when you're standing in the plate. But what they did was his best pitch is his split changeup. Logan saw eight righties in the lineup and said, okay, well, you want me to throw you a fastball up and then my best pitch in the dirt? Good luck. And the Marlins struggled with it all day. Granted, he had the backdoor sweeper working like he'd been a veteran pitcher. He looked incredibly comfortable. I had that weird, don't get me wrong, I'm very high on Logan Allen. I, I really like what he's done and what he's capable of. But I had that weird moment of uncertainty before the game as I was watching the broadcast. I have never in my time seriously watching baseball seen a Cleveland pitcher stop as he takes the mound before throwing his first warm-up pitch in Cleveland to like survey the stadium. I had the, oh God, is the moment too big kind of thought 
going through right. the back of my head. And I, I should know better with this organization, the way that they handle and prepare their arms. So that should have just been me being like, look at this kid taking it in. But I couldn't help but have that flutter and be like, oh no, don't let them, don't let the moment get too big for you, Logan. Don't right. let the, don't, don't have, you know, your eyes are the size of the moon. Take a deep breath, let it all come to you. But man, was he ever ready? Everything was working for him. He looked phenomenal out there. And aside from the home run to Birdie, and frankly, I don't even think it was that bad of a pitch. Birdie just put a really good swing on it. Yeah, it, he, it, he was, it was lights out. You know, it was it was chest high, but it was on the outer half of the plate, and Birdie was looking for it. What are you yeah, going to do? Took it, he took it the other way and hit it to right center. I mean, you know, it, he got it in the jet stream, and that's all. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a good. Yeah. It was a good swing by Birdie. It was a. It was a. It was a good pitch, better swing. Yeah, and then the Guardians got six unanswered runs in in support of Logan Allen, and the bullpen did just enough. Karen Chek gave him a home run late in that game and kind of lost his uh, leverage duties for the time being. But you know they held on. They won by a couple runs. Logan Allen got his debut, but everything was working for him. Man, he was exactly as advertised, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do this coming week in Boston. Yeah. Um, one thing I was thinking it was, I had it and I lost it. It was very possible, but, um, you can vamp for a little bit on that one. Try to see if I can, if I can get it back. Uh, I do love the name jazz. That was one thing I wanted to make sure that I mentioned. Um, but it's always interesting to me seeing, like you said, the, the moment getting too big for these guys, um, they generally don't have too much of that, and especially with Bybee, we uh, today we have seen it mentioned how little professional experience he's actually had. But um, you are always quick to point out Bybee had a very extensive college career, and um, and that plays into effect for some of these guys that you know, hey, they they might not have been in the minors for long, but they've been around professional air quotations pitching as as much as anybody and so i i do think that that is something that isn't going to be overlooked um or it, it does sometimes get overlooked but it, it not by the organization and they are, are looking at those kinds of things and making the right decisions on is this uh is this going to work out or or not so yeah by Bybee was a four-year starter at Cal State Fullerton and by all accounts one of the more polished arms in that draft class and the fact that he fell to the fifth round in and of itself is a crime now there are 30 teams of 30 teams in baseball that did not see that velocity spike coming Cleveland included right you oh yeah when well, I mean, we talked about it with law and we brought that up you know that all of a sudden yeah. he's like I want to I want to pitch harder and, and he did. Go yeah, you know, he was an 89 to 92, topped out a 93 guy in college. So you could have hoped you could have gotten him to the 92 to 94 range once you got the right. mechanics refined, maybe added some muscle. Nobody saw Bybee trying to rear back and throw 99.4 in his second professional season. So Cleveland even found a diamond in the rough, but the organization very much values those 40-something college starts. And that, that's true of anybody. The velocity spike is what brought Bybee to Cleveland in April of this year rather than September. He was always going to debut this year just because of how polished the organization viewed him and how other scouts and organizations viewed him. But it was the fact that he is commanding 95, 96, 97, 98, and then has the filthy breaking stuff to pair with it that he is pitching April 26th in Cleveland in his second professional season. And seemingly going to be here for a while. So yeah. Let's talk more about that debut. Uh, Bybee went five and two thirds, as we mentioned. Also faced twenty three batters. Um, he got called. He got pulled with one out left in the sixth inning. He just got to like too many pitches, and, and that's not a, a fault of his own. He gave up a, a big uh, single. Um, I forget what. Uh, I forget what he who it was too, but um, it was Ryan McMahon. I, okay. I think the club was like a professional Logan, hitter, you know, yeah. I mean like that's a, that's a guy. Yeah. I, I think the club like Logan Allen had Bybee pegged for about 85 ish pitches. And he was around that mark when Ryan McMahon came in and he, he struck out McMahon the first two times and you, you could hear it on the broadcast, right? Like 
there are some moments where there you can't take him seriously, but but they were right. He, he got struck out twice by a rookie, and he knew he was going to get you know teased back in the dugout if he got him a third time and handed him the sombrero. So McMahon battled. Uh, it was an eight, nine, ten pitch at bat, something like that, before he finally got a pitch that he could lace a single into left field on. But Bybee threw several pitches that he very well could have swung and missed on at any given point, and been the second pitcher in four days for Cleveland to join Luis Tiant and Tristan McKenzie is six innings, one earned run or less than eight plus strikeouts. So yeah, I, I mean, you can't really take that. You can't really take that single too much to heart. Right. He did some really good things earlier too, right? Like he, the, the run that he gave up was on what probably should have been an Oscar Gonzalez error, error. on, on yeah. the poor I, side. I, mean, I have, I have six hits and I wanted to put like, Air, air quotations around six. Yeah, the, the, it, knocking, there was a couple that you know. Yeah, knocking the ball down was fine, but it was booting it behind him that allowed the yes. runner to score. That I would have considered the the error of that play yes. and should have been an unearned run for Bybee. Now, whatever it means, nothing at the end of the day, right? But that that bloop single with the guy on first. What does Bybee do immediately after that play happens? He induces a ground ball double play to get right. two outs in the fifth inning. Like that's just what he does. He's got so much rise and ride on the fastball and so much filthy, filthy break on the curveball, the slider. I don't think anybody made contact with the changeup today, so I can't even say. From that they what were doing I saw, Savant, uh, Savant went down like halfway through the game. But uh, purely on the eye test. I don't think anybody even so much as foul tipped for, the changeup. For a while, there was it, he had what they had tracked. There was two, he threw it twice, there was two swings. There's yeah. two ifs. But <laughs> you saw you saw exactly what makes Tanner Bybee so great and, and why everybody's so high on him, right? The, the the ability to command the fastball up in the zone. And he didn't even have his best fastball today. He rode the breaking pitches today. Yes. But when he's able to throw that fastball high enough that it's out of the zone, but not so high that it's not enticing, guys do nothing but get under it and pop it up. He had a lot of weak pop-ups today. Yes. When he gets the breaking stuff diving down into the ground, nobody's hitting anything for a line drive. They beat it right into the ground. They beat it right at guys. Even yeah. the couple of hits that he gave up were, you know, seeing eye singles. The one double is whatever he left a pitch up and somebody had, but that happens to everybody once a game, right? Like I'm not going to crucify Tanner Bybee over a mistake pitch that ended up not hurting him. So that's exactly what he's advertised as, as a power arm that you just aren't going to be able to square the ball up. Was the uh, blue Brennan, Bobble was that and was that ruled a hit or was that ruled an error? That was ruled a hit. Okay, so that was the that was the other one. Did he just and, and to your point, he did definitely. There was a lot of pop ups. There was a lot of weak contact. the The one to Brennan should have been a catch. I feel like you could call that an error. He tried to backhand a slide it, it was a very it, it was a very good play to get there for Brennan it was a very weird angle he tried to catch the ball he like he backhanded it a little bit he like backhanded it while he slid in and then it came out of the glove as he was trying to like whip his hand around he didn't cover it. enough ground to be able to basket catch it so he had to kind of stab yeah. at it and the yeah. ball kind of snow coned on him and the the going down to the ground to initiate his slide is kind of what knocked it out of his glove i understand yeah. it not being an error it's not like he outright dropped it right that's yes. a hard play to yeah. make and he, yeah. he made up for it like the very next inning. He ran into the wall and tracked down yes. the ball. He did. So, you know, you don't have to worry too much about Will Brennan being like, ah, it's not Miles Starr out there. Brennan's a capable center fielder. You can't fault him for one play. Sure, sure, but, sure. Yeah, I mean, he, he had, you know, even even the double play in the fifth, like credit to Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez for turning a really pretty double play on that. It was a high throw. Josh Bell pulled it down, but... You know, that, that was a play that a lot of people thought wasn't even going to develop. You were the broadcast saying it, but it was CJ Chrome lumbering down first base. So they were over right. to, to turn to and get Bybee out of a bad situation that wasn't even necessarily his fault to begin with. So, yeah, uh, I I was very excited to see Bybee. He is, uh, as I've mentioned on the uh, previous podcast, he's my favorite uh, pitching prospect that was in the minors. Yeah, um, now that we've seen it, I, I was talking to some friends today because they're all degenerates and they all had prop bets on FanDuel or DraftKings or anything. And they're all saying like, Hey, is Bobby going to get me six plus strikeouts today? And I'm like, yeah, free money. Book it, man. Like, right. J just take it. 
And I had one of them message me back and he's like, can I at least see him throw a pitch in the majors first before I pull this trigger? And I was like, no, the second he throws one pitch, those odds are going to get worse and you're not going to make as much money. Yes. And he was like, seriously? And I was like, wait until you see the first slider that he throws to strike somebody out. He was like, okay. And in the second inning, when he struck out the side, he got the second guy on one of the filthiest sliders I've ever seen. And that slider is now automatically the best on the staff. And it's not even particularly close. Shane Bieber, sit down. Tristan McKenzie, sit down. Everybody sit down. That slider is king in the Guardians rotation now. Yeah, it was. It's nice to see that he. And they, I saw it mentioned on on Twitter a lot. His secondary stuff, he's able to spot in the zone, and that's and that's something that he. And, and I don't want to play the comparison game, but we can see from a Shane B, a, a, a vintage Shane Bieber used to do that, and, and there will come a, t- a point in time where he does where Bobby might start getting those a little bit more out of the zone and making, you know, guys look a little, little more foolish, but to be able to spot that slider inside the zone and, and the curve as well, the change, all of the secondary stuff, even when he's, you know, as a little wild with the, with the fastball to be able to spot all of this breaking stuff in the zone and make, make guys swing at it and make guys get bad contact. That's just, it, it's, it, it was a veteran-looking performance from a rookie pitching the the first time in the uh, in the major. What what was the minors numbers? It was like 150 innings with like 180 strikeouts or something. 142 innings pitched in the minors, a 10 and two record, 2.13 ERA, 186 strikeouts to just 35 walks. He is a guy who is known for his command. The fastball that you saw today is not the standard Tanner Bybee, right? He, he, you could tell he was a little bit overamped. He was reaching back, trying to get the extra tick sure, or two yeah. on everything. He, he was yeah. hitting, he was hitting ninety-seven. I don't know that he topped out at ninety-eight, but he was definitely at nine, almost sitting ninety-seven at times. I saw one. Uh, I, I'd have to go back, and Savant was broken, you know, to see if it was ninety-eight point whatever. But at one point, the stadium gun did show ninety-nine. So he hit something. But, you know, it was probably a little bit of nerves, a little bit of overampedness. But, you know, it's not common. It's not usual. It's not human for a guy with a fastball like that to not have it and then be able to throw the breaking stuff for consistent outs. Right. Who does that in Major League Baseball, let alone in a Major League debut? Like, that is elite, elite stuff. For sure. And I missed out on him by a dollar in my uh, one of my keeper leagues, so I was very upset. I picked him up on waivers in mine and then apparently never set my lineup. So I had nice. 24 points sitting on the bench. Yeah, I bid 15 and uh, my commissioner in that league bid 16. He's like, I literally found out today that he uh, it went for that little. I was like, are you kidding me? For, like. How did you only get, he's like, I figured somebody would go 15. I'm like, yeah, whatever spectrum I'm on, I can't have fives or zero. I have to go fives or zeros. No, you I can't go to like 17. Man. I, do, I do my fantasy football league, man. I do 27 for everything. If it's a player I think is going to help it, help me, it's 27. Uh, I can't yeah. do cricket numbers. Anyway, it's all good, but we will, we will figure it out. We'll, I inevitably will make some sort of a deal because he is, he, that, that, uh, that owner texts me. I text him. I was like, I've never let you live this down the day you took Tanner Bybee from me. He's like, you'll have to go and put all your money into Gavin Williams. I'm out of fab. I was like, okay, cool. So I don't know that I don't know that Gunslinger is getting up here at least uh, soon enough to where I need to put some fab into him. Well, um, maybe, the, maybe, the maybe that you guys listen to this podcast. He's starting in Columbus. Maybe the, maybe a buck or two now. So I don't have to worry about it later on, but, uh, he might have uh, some company in Columbus uh, soon-ish. Uh, I guess we'll call this our, our injury segment here. Uh, Tristan McKenzie is announced on the broadcast today that he is going to be throwing a bullpen session this weekend. Um, that generally means a, a simulated game, I think, is the next step after, after throwing a bullpen. Um, you can usually get to... I think they call it like three or four innings of simulated games, which is basically just throwing to batters. Yeah. Dive hitters and stuff like that. Um, After a sim game, 
there is the requisite rehab assignments. Um, and they get, and that gets mentioned, um, for those that don't know, you actually have to be on a, re you're only able to be on a rehab assignment for so long as yeah. a hitter or pitcher. So that is why there is such uh, machinations. Tristan cannot return until I think May 29th. So end of May, but it is nice to see that he is getting at, uh, close enough to where he, we can start looking at rehab assignments, looking at him being in Columbus, possibly. Um, there is hope that it won't take too long. Uh, he did get hurt right at the end of spring training. It literally his last start before the season started. So he has done the work to get ramped up. Obviously there'll be a little bit more that needs to be done because you know, now you're just now getting to the point where you're letting Bieber pitch, you know, hundred pitches plus that kind of thing. Um, so you, it, there may be a couple starts right out the gate where Tristan's only going five innings, you know, pitching 80 pitches, something like that. But um, to see him coming back and, and coming into this rotation is nice. Um, the other one that could be possibly next week, that would be an injury return. Sam, uh, big Sam Henches uh, is on rehab. Uh, Ethan, you said Sunday is his last at least announced scheduled rehab assignment, right? Yes. As far as it's been announced, um, Henches will pitch uh, tomorrow, Thursday, for those of you listening, uh, should be today, the day the pod is published. And then again, so no, one, no one's listening tonight. It yes. is just you and me tonight. We are here because this will be out in the morning. Uh, so Thursday. I, as far as I'm aware, they want him to just do a, a regular inning Thursday, uh, and then they're going to have him do an up and down on Sunday, which is uh, a between innings. So they'll have him go finish an inning and then send him back out there after sitting for a little while to make sure he doesn't stiffen up or get anything. And, you know, for those of you wondering, Hench is why it's been so long. The nature of his injury wasn't so gruesome, but it happened so early in spring training that this has been extended spring training for Sam Henches. He only had one appearance in Goodyear. Uh, before he had to be shut down. So they've taken their time with him. They've treated him a little bit with kid gloves, but it's to ensure that he is not only healthy, but ramped up and ready to throw, you know, 20 pitches his first day in Cleveland should the need arise. But at this rate, it sounds like he should and could join the team as soon as the New York series early next week. Which would be nice uh, because uh, we were looking uh, in our, uh, pre-pod talk with that the henches is probably uh, going to end the three catcher experiment that they've been having. Um, it, it just seems so stupid <laughs> to have three catchers. Uh, it, it is a good idea. And Mitch has brought it up a bunch and there, there is some merit behind it. If you are actually going to do it. And that's part of the thing that's been the, the, the problem is that uh, they seem to just be, you know, we talked about Terry and his veterans. He definitely wants to have an extra bat to help out on the bench. And we saw it today where he emptied his bench. He went to, he went to uh, Arias at first for Naylor um, or Bell, Josh Bell rather. Um, and then uh, Miles Straw came in and uh, defensively, um, but the club has not seen Mabry's Valoria. He's right. He's he's caught 17 innings in 25 games so far. So you would think that uh, eventually this has to come to an end, and you would do it for a, a high leverage reliever like Sam Hedges. Your only other option is Xavier Curry. But I would you know counter that argument that the team who has not been carrying the maximum amount of pitchers allowed to carry the, the third catcher has needed the bullpen help. So yeah. it would make more sense to me to drop the catcher that's played 17 innings than it would to cut a long reliever option. Who's actually been really good for you and in, in mop up and long relief duties. I think he's up to like six or seven straight scoreless innings now in his last couple of appearances. So credit to Xavion for making the most of what has not been a great situation for him who maybe hoped he would have gotten the, the opportunity to start one of these games that Logan or Bybee got, but he's been respectable. Yeah. 
I don't. Yeah, the only reason in my eyes that you're sending Curry down is to stretch him back out, or but just to get him the playing time that he's not getting. Right. Get a, get him get him some development kind of a th- situation. Um, but I I think he can be used out of the bullpen effectively. He has been thus far, and I don't see a reason to change that and, and get rid of him for a lefty and henches because right now you don't have a you do not have a left-handed reliever in the bullpen. Yeah, Heron was sent back down to AAA for Pilkington yesterday before Pilkington right. was DFA'd. So they they currently the only lefty on the entire staff is Logan Allen. Right. Uh, I guess they and the forty man is Joey Cant. Now now that Connor Pilkington has been DFA'd, yeah, the, the yeah. only other lefty in the entire forty man is Joey Cantillo, who's yeah. currently in Akron, which does you a right. lot of good. Right. Um. But yeah, that was the, the last thing I wanted to mention before we get to uh, just. I have literally listed as stuff that's random. Uh, Connor Pilkington and uh, Brian Lavastida were the two players that were DFA'd to allow Logan Allen and Tanner Bybee to get on the 40-man roster. Um, uh, Lava got DFA'd because there was five catchers in the organization on the 40-man roster, and it's entirely too many people to be on that roster because – Collins isn't. It's Zanino. Oh, it's the three that are up and then Bo. Yes. So, um, Bo is the last one left. Yeah. Which he should be up soon, hopefully. Um, and then Connor Pilkington, it I I really feel like he was he got cut because he's probably going to pass through waivers. There are other moves that you could make. We you know, you could have brought up BB uh Bybee and DFA Valoria. Um there's enough people that need catchers that you might've missed out on that one, but you know, I am okay with uh, the, the pilk man uh, being gone. Um, he will inevitably be back with the organization once he clears waivers. Um, if he does, I don't see him being picked up, but uh, it is nice to have him around as a fallback in a break glass of an emergency kind of a situation. But um He's just not a prospect at this point in time. And there are other more important things and people that need to be uh, added and moved and everything like that. Like we said, we Gavin Williams is up in AAA now, so he'll be getting those starts against better opponents. And I can't imagine Joey Cantillo is going to be very long for Akron either. No, the, the plan, and you heard the the staff talk about Cantillo in the off season. We touched on it uh, in, in a couple of articles that we've written and even an early season podcast that, you know, at the end of last year, even though Cantillo got shut down, the injury was injury. The shutdown was mostly precautionary because like by B Cantillo had also gone through a, a velocity spike. He was a 89 to 92 guy who is now throwing 95 to 97 and his yeah. body just wasn't accustomed to it. So they shut him down early to let his shoulder recover and get him ready for 2023. And and the coaching staff said he has nothing left to prove at double A. So frankly, I was actually pretty shocked that he wound up in Akron to start the year with Gavin Williams, uh, while the likes of Adam Scott and Connor Pilkington got their, their shots at Columbus to start the year. So, yeah. Um, like I said, get your drinks ready uh, in the Discord yesterday. You know, we, we knew it was by time when... Pilkington came in to mop up what was a blowout against Colorado, right? Like he came out of the bullpen. He he finished that game off. He threw a little over 50 pitches. And I think my exact wording when that one was over was thank you for the mop up duty, Connor Pilkington. Thank you for your service. If we ever see you again, something has gone horrendously wrong. Right. Yeah. And yeah, that's all that really needs to be said. Nothing else, nothing else, nothing more, nothing less. So Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, let's go on to stuff that is random. So, uh, touching on a few things. The offense has been struggling. Um, 
today was the first that they scored more than one run, more than one run. And I think the last four or five games, they definitely had only scored one uh, run previously in this Colorado series. Um, oh yes. Sunday day for they had scored a, a bunch, but then um, Miami series, they also were, were pretty, the bats were pretty low. Um, was this a random happenstance of having to face a lot of lefties? I think there was, four or five over the last seven games, something along those lines. They um, actually faced uh, six out of eight there you go. of the last games were against lefties. And yes, this, this lineup struggles against lefties, but you know, it, it hasn't been all just the left-handed pitching. You know, they, they're, they're one of their two wins in that stretch was beating up on Jesus Lizardo, who was one of the best left-handed pitchers in baseball entering that game, 2.74 ERA entering the day. And the, Guardians teed off on him, including home runs from Bell and J-Ram back-to-back. Josh Naylor got two hits off of a lefty that day. You know, we all know all the cries about Josh playing against left-handed pitching, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, it, it hasn't been exclusively don't, that. They've don't been, yada, yada, yada it. Josh I, Naylor. There's, there's something there. There's there something is. There, there is. It, it bears the, but the look, cries look. here. Being angry at Josh Naylor playing against left-handed pitchers and being angry at Ahmed Rosario hitting in the two-hole are just symptoms of the larger problem, right? You're just angry at the surface. You have to dig deeper than just that. But I digress. This club's been unfathomably unlucky in some key regards. The game against Colorado yesterday, before Bybee started, they played, I think it was Quan was on base, and they they started the hit and run. They sent Quan on a stolen base, and they had a Med Rosario free swinging, and he hit a ball right up the middle. And in any other situation, it would have been a first to third for Cleveland. But because that shortstop saw Quan breaking, he broke to second base to cover the throw in case a Med missed, and he hit the ball right to the guy who already had a foot on the bag and threw a Med out by a country mile. Right. That has just been the luck of this organization recently. That about sums it up. And that's just the cross that they have to bear with this style of offense, right? Not all contacts created equal. They don't hit the ball particularly hard. If it's not falling, if they aren't hitting it where guys aren't, then this is the product that you see. They still have the third best walk rate in all of baseball. They strike out the third fewest times. They lead the league in stolen bases. That is the foundation for the Guardians offense. But when you swing the bat and the ball goes right at somebody every single time, I don't know a team that has... I, I was watching I, – I haven't watched a, a game on Savant so intently as I have these last couple because it's like, oh, yeah, Andres Jimenez, 690 expected batting average. What's the re- – oh, double, double, double play. Oh, man, Jose Ramirez ripped a ball 110 off the bat, 540 expected batting average. What's the – ground into double play. What What is going on with this team? It just – it felt like everything. But, you know, the, the ninth inning yesterday – against the Rockies, Josh Naylor put a beautiful swing on a ball. He had a frozen rope double to, to the gap in left center. And, and I had a feeling watching that, that swing, that Josh was starting to come out of it. What's he do in the first inning today? He comes out and clubs a ball 400 feet to the right center and puts the Guardians up 2 nothing. He comes up the second time and he hits a loud out to right field, right? right. So individual guys, you know, Andres Jimenez had two hits today individual and guys hits too like he yeah and he, he went like almost went opposite, the wall, oh, opposite field on the wall opposite opposite field yeah yeah he, him, he, him he, and Oscar Gonzalez back-to-back doubles off the left field yeah. 19-footer right so he, he made jerks and profile literally I asked the I asked the discord and said what was he doing like he just he, he looked lost on yes, this shot he did from uh from Jimenez and it's yeah I I not to cut you off, and I apologize, no. uh, but uh, you are right. There are definitely some instances where these guys are just nailing the ball, and it is right at guys. There are so many hits that are, you know, 108 off the bat that just is a, a grounded into a double play. Yeah. And there are instances where today, you know, we saw old friend Brad Hand come in and strike out Josh Naylor and Josh Bell. <sighs> You know, Bell struck out on three straight pitches, and 
not good swings on any of them. No, nobody, on, nobody on arguably looked, hittable pitches. Nobody looked good there, and, and those kinds of things. Um, there will be times where some of those things are changed, and some of those things are a little bit more. Um, you'll you'll have you'll have bad at bats against good pitchers. Right. You will also have times where you have great at bats against bad ones that just get hit right at somebody. Yeah. Um, and, and it'll come around. I, I, as much as my eyes want to scream from watching, you know, Ahmed Rosario, uh, GIDPs, uh, just, you know, continuously. Um, I also know that he's, there will come a month where he's hitting, you know, a 140 WRC plus that makes up for these, this bad start. And so let's, let's use that to go into the other half of your, your first half question here with stuff that's random, right? It was what else helps this offense besides time? Well, those are the, the little adjustments that you can start making. There, there are signs that individual guys are starting to wake up and, and things are starting to click for them, right? Like Josh Naylor today, Miles Straw hit a, a pinch hit single when he entered the game today. Jose put a couple of really good swings on some baseballs. Him and Quan both worked some beautiful at-bats today. You know, Quan struck out on eight pitches first at-bat of the game. Now, you don't love the strikeout, but he went on to have a really good game, eating a lot of pitches, fouling a lot off. It, it was right. the most of that that I'd seen from this offense that was really trying. It was so frustrated that it was doing anything and everything it could, right? Including bunting down four in the eighth and ninth inning, the first right. two of the series. So they're feeling the frustration too. And they were literally doing anything they could to try and make it happen. But the manager set them down. They reminded them, this is what we do. We eat pitches. We frustrate pitchers, make them work and good things will happen. And you saw a little bit of it today. Now the clutch hitting did not exist much today you know they had two instances where it worked out the back-to-back doubles from Jimenez and OG got them up three to one or three to nothing at the time uh I would argue that Will Brennan's uh fielder's choice that went off the back of Brad Hand that was probably a good thing I think if that ball had gone up the middle that would have been a double play but right. you went going up 4-1 with Miles Straw in second base which was arguably a good place to be um so the little adjustments that you can make right we have enough sample size. And we talked about this extensively our last podcast that Ahmed Rosario is not a good two hole hitter. Yeah. He's a great seven hole hitter and he's an engine that can really help the bottom of your lineup click. And when we saw the seven, eight, nine guys clicking, the offense was working. It was when those guys started to go dormant that one through four really tried to carry the load and were doing too much and right. everything went frigid. Right. So he makes more sense down there to me. Those are the little adjustments you can make. You can stop playing Josh Naylor against left-handed pitching. I think we have enough sample size that he's not going to get the Andres Jimenez treatment where it's not suddenly going to start clicking for him and he's just going to start being league average to above league average against like-handed pitching. You can remove a guy like Arias who gets no playing time and is not the kind of player that can come in ice cold with no rhythm and swing a bat. You can replace him with a guy like Tyler Freeman who's exact skill set screams that I do nothing but make contact. Let me go swing bad at anybody that you put me in front of. I will. He is Freeman is so plug and play that it it does just make, it makes me want to scream. (laughs) He is not the guy over Arias. I, as much as I, I want to be positive. I just don't see it with Arias um, as being a prospect. Um, I, I think if the, on a different team, he could be top 15 shortstop by, well, you, in this roster. I, in this roster with what's coming up, with what's here already, because you're not getting rid of Ahmed right now for Arias. Yeah. Uh, and what is coming with Rokio and maybe even Angel Martinez eventually. It's Arias' hit tool that separates him from guys like that, right? You you know, we saw him hit 280-something as a 21-year-old in Columbus, as one of the youngest players at AAA after missing a COVID season. But the key there was everyday guaranteed playing time. And the hit tool with him is just not good enough to cope with not having that. So if you send him somewhere, the minors, or another team that's going to play him every day, you will see a little bit more of that Gabriel Arias. But yeah, Freeman is definitely more of what this club needs. Or I, I'm a big 
Micah Pree's guy, right? They enjoy the flexibility that Arias gives them, being able to play all four positions on the infield. It's not something they're going to do with Tyler Freeman. And he also has the cannon to stick him in left field in an absolute emergency for an inning if you need to. Right. I understand that. But needing the flexibility of a guy like Micah Preeze or Tyler Freeman, whose bat is just better and can deal with going sitting cold for six, seven, eight games at a time. You know, those are some of the small tweaks that this team could make that, you know, you don't change every loss into a win, but you might flip two or three results just right. having a guy like that on your bench rather than Arias. Or having, you know, Freeman there to pinch hit for Cam Gallagher. So you can put, yeah, you know, whoever in at the end of the game. You, you can if, throw Gabriel Galoria for his 18th inning out there. Right. If you if you do that with Arias, he's just not, he's not cooked enough. You know, he's not ready yeah. to do that. And Whereas Freeman, you're just, you're just make you're just hoping for contact. You're hoping to keep the, that at bat. You're going and keeping it, you know, keeping it moving along. And Freeman can do that, I feel like, way better than Arias. So, okay. Last one I have before we go to what's next, because we're getting close. Um, it, it was looking at the beginning of the year, looking before the season, that OG was the one that we were like, he's the guy. He's in a certain right field. The season started, and he looked pretty awful. And it seemed like Will Brennan had overtaken him as the starter in right. It has then since seemingly flipped back uh, to what we expected, where Oscar seems to be getting a few more games, seems to be doing a little bit more with what is given to him. Um, today we saw Brennan in center, giving Miles Straw a day off before coming in and pinch hitting. Um, right now, as it stands, who are you looking for to have more or right field uh, appearances? Brennan, Will Brennan, or Oscar Gonzalez? This one's really weird to me because it seemed like entering this homestand, Brennan had done enough where maybe he was starting to get a little bit of the Stephen Kwan treatment, where it was, uh, we're going to give it to you until you prove us, prove to us that you can't handle right like it right. seemed like that was the direction that this was heading and then the club faced six consecutive left-handed pitchers or six out of eight games and will brennan just vanished yeah for, for whatever reason they just decided they weren't going to play him against left-handed pitching so they started giving some opportunities to, to og and he had oscar has not been great in the opportunities that he's been afforded he's been okay he, he even in, even against today. even against the lefties he yeah just, it wasn't Awesome. It was yeah. whatever. Granted, he got he got two hits today. You know, he helped. He he drove in a run. I, I can't take that away from him. But I, you know, I'm a little bit flummoxed by the idea of man, it's looking like it's Will Brennan's right field, and then he just vanished for a week on us. You know, I, I think I even tweeted at one point when he subbed in late in the game. I was like, Oh, hey, he is alive. He's not just got some shadow injury, he's out there playing. Right. So I'm very much a big Brennan guy. I think it should be him with OG backing him up, coming in in an emergency situation until proven otherwise. But I did learn today on his RBI double that they play jellyfish rave when he hits a double in the ballpark. So I'm kind of leaning wanting to give OG playing time just so I hear jellyfish rave when the man hits a double in, in progressive field. Is that bad of me? If he's I gonna hit, I, if he's gonna actually hit doubles, I mean, sure. I, I didn't know. I, I, I look, man. I, I watched the game from my office today. I, I had my headphones in, and these day games are great. If you're Ethan Boss and you just heard that, no, you didn't. Oh, Phil, Phil doesn't care. No, uh, <laughs> look, man. It's it's great these day games because the 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 hot mics in the ballpark pick up everything. I hear heckles from the crowd. I hear the pitchers swearing. I hear the umpires telling guys to knock it off. Like it's absolutely incredible. But when OG hit that double, and I'm listening to Matt and Rick talk about how god-awful his slide is, but I hear jellyfish rave in the background, I'm cackling at my desk because that scene is so surreal. But if that's something that they're regular, regularly doing for Oscar, I would love to see more of that. Yeah. Uh, he's, just, he's, just, he's just a good guy. You just want him to do well because he's just a good guy. Right. He's a big, lovable teddy bear. There is nothing to not love about Oscar Gonzalez, the human being. Right. 
All right. Let's look at what is next. Uh, I did have one more that I wanted to mention, but we can mention it here. Uh, they seem to be changing up their rotation a little bit. They mentioned on the broadcast. I think it was, I, I think I was listening to Hammy at the time because I moved. I was moving locations, so I was not watching the TV uh, broadcast. I moved to the radio. Uh, but they are going Shane Bieber on Friday in Boston, Zach Plezak on Saturday, and then uh, the one and only Logan Allen on Sunday going going up against Chris Sale. Um, that is a different rotation than what was than what would have been uh, the regular scheduled days. It would have been Plezak and Bieber had uh, swapped. So um, it seems like they want to make sure that Shane stays on some sort of a regular path um it was mentioned before um Bybee was announced that he was please act possibly was available in the bullpen today um what do you make of zach please in this situation do you think that he obviously uh logan allen and tanner Bybee both uh, it has been announced that uh, you know seemingly are going to be here for a while they already have logan allen scheduled um, for more games and Zach Meisel and Manny Bell both tweeted out that Tito has said Bobby's going to get at least a little bit of an extended look. Um, is Plezak on borrowed time? Um, how many more starts over under two and a half do you give Zach Plezak before uh, we see a Maybe a return from Aaron Zavale. Maybe, um, you know, Peyton Battingfield keeps the keeps the spot and plays Zach Moose to the bullpen. What is your feelings here uh, as we get it? More so, make a make a call on my over under here for Zach Plezak starts. So I'm actually going to go out and expand a little bit further, even and tell you right now that both Zach Plezak and Cal Quantrill's days are numbered. This is coming from a big Cal Quantrill supporter and, and a guy who was not opposed to, to potentially a you know extension at least to buy out the rest of his arb years with Cleveland. But you can't keep living on banking and hoping that you're going to see second half Cal Quantrill every year, right? The, this is right. a guy who is notoriously terrible until the All Star break at home and Cal then, or whatever. Yeah, but even even that's busted. So he doesn't even have that going for him right now. Right. So, you know, what's better to you? A rotation of Shane Bieber, Tristan McKenzie, and two to three rookies, some combination of Bybee, Allen, and Williams with Savale as a five or six? Or are you going to try and keep making something that is inconsistent and not your best chance to win every fifth day? while your window is open a year early, right? So I think right now, and we haven't heard anything about Savale's potential rehab. So if McKenzie's able to come back at the end of May, Gavin Williams was just promoted to AAA today. He will start Thursday for Columbus in Indianapolis. You have Logan Allen and Tanner Bybee seemingly part of the short-term plans of the rotation, whether they decide to keep it a six-man with Plezak and Battenfield bouncing back and forth or just drop it down to five and move both of those guys to the bullpen. I'm going to say over two and a half, but I'm going to say under four and a half starts remaining for Zach Plezak. And that's not that, you know, he's just dead when Savale and or Sticks come back. That is, uh, he's either in the bullpen or they've used... Uh, amazingly, Zach Plezak has all three options. They have somehow never demoted him. So potentially finally use an option to send him to Columbus to quote-unquote get right, even though every Zach Plezak outing is Zach Plezak at those, his right. Those those pesky shirts have ensured that Zach Plezak has ever had to be optioned. So has Mother Earth. Right. So... Uh, it's, yeah, the, just... the work he the work he's gotten back the work he's gotten in in the minors has been on rehab assignments because he's broken rehabbing self inflicted wounds. Yeah, right. So, you know, his, his days were always numbered when 
you know, the, there were reports from spring training that Gavin Williams and Tanner Bybee were drawing crowds, and you saw why today. Yeah. Logan Allen did a, a an absolute number on the day's remaining counter on Sunday. Tanner Bybee did even more damage today. And it's only going to be a matter of time with Gavin Williams. You will see him by September. I promise you that. He is not not going to debut in 2023. So it's not going to be long. I'd be shocked. I'm saying under four and a half. So I, I'm saying like by the second week of June, Plezak is probably no longer in this rotation, and that's at the latest. And that makes sense. But that there's a very that checks in with McKenzie and that checks in with Savale. Yeah, but there's a very real possibility that after the All Star break, he's not even with this organization, right? Or at least not part of their big league plans. I don't think they'll outright DFA him, but they'll let him eat a 40-man roster spot from Columbus. Yeah, they they moved quickly on Reyes last year, even though he had options. Um, and that was a guy that we thought was going to get an extension. This this wasn't right. a guy who have, we've long bemoaned as, please get him out of the rotation. Right. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm more so using Reyes as a, like, they're not afraid to make the cut if they could. But right. this is also an organization that gets every last little bit of juice out of the orange as possible. And the organization so, will give Plezak an opportunity to be like, well, can you rear back and get us 94 in the bullpen and maybe be a different pitcher? They will give him that courtesy, that opportunity, right. before they finally say, we've seen enough, here's the curb. Right. Yeah. I, 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 I'm excited for the future of this franchise with the arms that are coming up. That does mean that, you know, we're going to see some guys that have been around for a while head back out. And that's and that's okay because the future is bright. And so, on the other side of that coin, this is a reminder that these are still rookies. There will yeah. be growing pains, right? I uh, would you like to enter the hot take portion of We got the, time. We gotta we, we just we just crossed an hour, but you can you can give me a hot take. Go for All it. All right. I'm going to throw a two-part hot take out there about Tanner Bybee. Okay. I think that currently Tanner Bybee is a better pitching prospect than former top overall pitching prospect Grayson Rodriguez, who just debuted with the Baltimore Orioles. Sure. And I also think current, after one major league start, 24-year-old Tanner Bybee is closer to peak Shane Bieber than current actual Shane Bieber. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, that doesn't mean that Bybee is going to do what he did today every time out. The league will adjust to him, and he will have to adjust back. But you have a bunch of gurus in that dugout that will help you do that faster than potentially any other organization, right? The right. only other organizations that are going to match those adjustments and how quickly they make them are Los Angeles, Houston, Tampa, and then maybe a 4C New York Yankees. Yeah. But Cleveland is top tier when it comes to that. So he will adjust back quicker than anybody. He will have rough starts. He will get roughed up, but I, I don't see a possibility right now where if after three starts, when he cements himself in this rotation, that he's not immediately a candidate for rookie of the year. Yeah, for sure. And it looks and it, and all signs point that way. And I, there's no reason that, you know, I think you. I think you said it, and, and it's you didn't exactly say this, but to Bybee is one of your top three best pitchers in the organization right now. I feel like and he then, is. There is a big three, and I'm not the only one that feels this way. Like this is pretty widely regarded that it's Espino, Williams, and and Bybee. You, right. You oh, I'm not even those. saying prospect wise. I'm saying like actual pitcher. Tanner Bybee is top three in the organization. He, he might, depending on how Sticks looks back, he he might even be top two. Right. Uh, unless, you know, when the weather gets warmer, if Shane Bieber can find a little bit more of his control that he seems to be missing or an extra tick of velocity, I, I would put Bybee ahead of Bieber when, when yeah. the time comes with a healthy Tristan McKenzie. Yeah. It, it's yeah. just the fact of the matter. The stuff is just that good. And it, he, yeah. he, he's it a rookie plays. and he still has more to learn, but, like, he has the best stuff in the starting rotation already yeah 
and we are only going to be able to see more of it. So, all right, well, that does it for us here at the Corner Cast. So, for Ethan, for Dr. Mitch, for Tanner Bybee, we say be loved, be safe. Good night, Cleveland. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.